Welcome to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, Senior Pastor of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. Our mission is to provide practical application of biblical truth to help you experience true purpose and lasting change that can begin now. Here's Pastor Russ. Going to continue our series, Jesus versus the World. We're looking at some of the prevalent philosophies right now that are dictating how culture is believing and and living and um, creating values. And uh, we're we're looking at those philosophies and comparing them to what the Bible has to say, what Jesus had to say, so that we, you know, as a body of believers, can be discerning, understand what's happening on a spiritual level, but also uh, remember that we are here to make a difference, not to be angry. You know, we could be alarmed, uh, we could be concerned, but ultimately, God's not surprised, right? And we are here during this time to help still continue to bring the light of Jesus as things get more and more confusing for people. Um, and so it's, it's meant to be, you know, educational, but yet encouraging for all of us. And uh, as we're looking at today's you know, philosophy, you know, imagine if I was um, teaching my, I did teach my daughter to drive, but let's just say, um, you know, she, she's <laughs> learning to drive and she gets behind the wheel of the car and turns the key, engine starts, tell her to put it in drive. And she's like, now what do I do? And what if I just say, well, just follow your heart. <laughs> just go. Don't worry about what the signs say. Don't worry about speed limits. Don't worry about what everyone else is doing because you don't want to be bogged down by those rules. Follow your heart. Let let your emotions take you where you want to go. If you want to go left when it says no left, just do it. If you're feeling it, you'll make it work. If people are coming at you head on, don't worry about it. They'll move. Just follow your heart, right? And so when we look at... (laughs) It's ridiculous when you boil it down to a scenario like that, right? Because what we know is, you know, when you have the responsibility of a car and, and driving and, you know, other people's lives and the order that traffic laws create, you know that you can't follow your heart, right? You have to follow the rules. The rules are there to help guide you, protect you, right? Now, but I think all of us have heard at one time or another, follow your heart, right? Now, if we, as we looked a couple weeks ago at live your truth, if live your truth changed the basic principle of what truth means, follow your heart is the mindset that led to the redefining of truth. Because if we're here to follow our heart, we got to redefine truth. we got to redefine traffic signs. We got to get rid of traffic signs. We got to get rid of traffic laws. We got to get rid of the things that would impede our ability to follow our heart. And what we need to understand there's one thing to follow your passion, okay? We all have God given gifts, right? And we all have different paths in life. And a lot of times those gifts drive us to make certain decisions. That's very different than following your heart. Because with following your heart, your heart becomes the guide for your life. Um, I looked up, follow your heart. (laughs) There's an idiom dictionary, by the way. 
Did not know that. It says, to do what one, one's feelings or intuition indicate is right. To act according to one's feelings. To obey one's sympathetic or compassionate inclinations. So essentially, follow your heart is a belief that your feelings, because the heart is the throne of our feelings and thoughts. What it is saying is that your heart is a compass. It's a, it's, it's a true guide that will lead you to true happiness. If you just have the courage to listen to it. Dangerous. This creed implies that we are lost, but your heart will save you. This creed can sound so simple and beautiful and liberating. For lost people, it's a gospel to believe in, right? Just tell someone to follow their heart. I mean, to, to even embrace a creed, a belief, a philosophy that says follow your heart, it's, it actually sounds really, it's liberating, right? It feels good. It means, you know what? You're an individual. Only you know what's best. Don't be bogged down by other people's opinions or expectations or societal kind of cultural norms. Don't be bogged down by the things that could limit you from being you and ultimately happy. Who would say the pursuit of happiness is probably shared by almost every human being? Happiness is a big deal. And if happiness is found by following your heart and nothing else, you know, now it's become a source of belief. It's a faith because there's no guarantee with following the heart, but it's your starting place, right? So for the lost, for culture, it is, it, it's a true religious belief. It brings hope. It could even bring a sense of peace and understanding. It could dictate what you live for. It could speak purpose. It could do all the things that God himself wants to do for his creation, right? So it's very dangerous, but yet, you see, this started a long time ago. But now we are living in the product of a follow-your-heart culture to the point, like which I mentioned, truth is being redefined. There is no societal or cultural norms. There is no moral absolutes, because moral absolutes would mean that you can't follow your heart because ultimately the heart is all about your feelings. Who would say that your feelings change maybe 600 times a day? Who would say that maybe just knowing yourself, feelings aren't the best thing to follow, but yet that is what's being promoted? To the point where it really has become a substitute for true belief. Here's a few statistics. The latest Pew Research Center survey of the religious composition of the United States finds the religiously unaffiliated share of the public is 6% points higher than it was five years ago and 10 points higher than a decade ago. Currently, about 3 in 10 U.S. adults are religious nuns people who describe themselves as atheists, agnostics, or nothing in particular. In 2007, only about 16% of Americans identified as religious nuns, but the percentage has almost doubled. It's 
since 2007. About a third of all millennials are nuns. That sounds funny. (laughs) Now watch this. They are turning toward more individual forms of spiritualism, including yoga, meditation, healing stones, Wiccan spellcasting, and astrology. Wiccan? But listen to what the overwhelming, overriding rule of Wiccan's theology is. Harm none and do as you will. Harm none and do as you will, i.e., follow your heart. You see, people have to believe in something. So what happens is they are rejecting belief, and I mean Christian belief, rejecting the church. They're turning towards something. They're turning towards themselves. And they are approaching their belief system. It's almost like a salad bar. I'm going to take a little bit of this and some onion, some mushroom, no olives, I don't like that, lots of croutons, tons of cheese, low-fat dressing. (laughs) But you see, it's the Build-A-Bear theology which serves the person. And you see, it, it is rooted in follow your heart. And we need to understand that the Bible, that God, first of all, never designed us to follow our heart. Our hearts were not designed to be followed. This is like, this is big news. Like our heart, that almost sounds a little oppressive, doesn't it? Now remember, I'm not talking about passion. I'm not talking about talent. But I'm talking about your general feeling and understanding and your instincts and your intuitions. Your heart, that the, the core of who you are, was never meant to be followed or served as a God, ever. It was meant to follow God. So it's a matter of understanding who you are. You have been created by a creator. <laughs> that sounds funny. But the creator knows best, right? Each of us have been created purposely, wonderfully, with a purpose in mind as God has created us as individuals. And the fullness of our potential is meant when our hearts are in submission to God's will and God's word. So follow your heart stands in exact total contradiction to follow God. So, Jeremiah 17.5 says this. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose what? Departs from the Lord. Whose heart departs from the Lord. Again, whose heart departs from the Lord, meaning feeling, understanding, instincts, all those things that we could either choose to follow or submit to the Lord. If that part of us says, I am turning away from what God says and I'm choosing to make this my strength, it says, you're cursed. 
God isn't placing a curse on them. We are cursed because the only place that our hearts, apart from God, can lead us into is sin and death. But that's not what the world preaches. But we can begin to see that the curse is manifesting itself in terms of how culture is operating now, right? You get enough people doing this and rejecting and departing God and His commands and His way and His truth, chaos ensues, right? So what we're seeing is the product of a foundation laid that says, follow your heart above all things. Do what you want to do. Reject anything that would get in the way of you being able to pursue what is in your heart, the feelings that you have. Now, Jeremiah 17.9 says this, the heart is trustworthy above all things. I'm going to read it again. The heart is above all things and desperately who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. The heart, if you take the present culture now and how it is elevating the human being and every instinct, every emotion, every whim that a person may have in saying, accept it, worship it, praise it. You see, we are systematically establishing a culture that says the heart is anything but deceitful. It's anything but deceitful. The heart is really the only true thing on this earth, and everyone has a, needs to make a commitment to follow that above all else. Don't let people judge you, steer you, oppress you with old tradition and old thought, right? Because the heart is not deceitful. Now, for us, we can see the deceit in others, but sometimes it's important that we know that our hearts can be very deceitful also. That a lot of times as believers, we can follow our instincts and our feelings. And it doesn't lead us into godly behavior. It doesn't lead us into a life that reflects the goodness of God in order to maybe make a difference. But our hearts are justifying hatred and this and that and these type of actions. But if it doesn't line up with God's word, we are being deceived. And this is what will happen in a culture where man is praised where man's instincts are elevated and worshipped, and in believers who are convicted of righteousness, they could easily fall into deceit also and begin to hate right, others. But our hearts can be desperately wicked if we're not careful, right? So again, this is what's happening out here, but we got to be careful in here that we don't develop a mob mentality with pitchforks and torches, Let's go take care of business, but we have a healthy mob mentality that says, yes, we are convicted, we know the truth, but we are here to represent the truth, and maybe, just maybe, we can make a difference in the darkness, one person at a time, right? Because the heart, as people are following it, are, what are they seeking again? Happiness, Right? They're seeking happiness. They're looking for identity. 
They're looking for value. They're looking for what only God can provide. And seeing them as lost children can help. But let's look again as to what happens if we elevate the heart and say, that is how you steer the ship. Matthew 15, 18. Jesus says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come from what? And they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. And he goes, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Separate topic. Jesus is saying, what is in you is what makes you unclean. Jesus understood the heart. He came to save the heart, right? And what we are seeing is seeing how the counterfeit will always take some truth and then turn it upside down. Jesus came to save the heart, give us a new heart, give us new life, give us new understanding, a heart that submits to God. The counterfeit says, you don't need that. You need to embrace the heart. You don't need a new heart. It's actually just fine. It's your guide. It's your compass. And it's dangerous. Very dangerous. Now, if the heart is diseased, (laughs) if these are the things that come out of the house, if it's desperately wicked... I wouldn't quite call that leadership material. If you were hiring someone for a leadership job and, they say, and they're like, what are your strengths? Well, fornication, <laughs> murders, evil thoughts. Oh, I love false witnessing. Man, do I love to blaspheme. But yet these things exist inside human beings, Right? These things reside inside every human being. We are saved. We have the hope of the Holy Spirit in us that begins to purify us and cleanse us of this, to give us the strength to overcome this, right? But if you're on this side taught that everything within you is okay and good, right? How do you distinguish between what is evil and not evil? Because you know that people without Jesus still suppress some of their craziness, right? Like we all do. But yet they have to give in to their thoughts also in terms of I am trusting my feeling for these huge decisions in my life. Where we just know my heart isn't trustworthy. Lord, help me, right? They don't have anywhere to go. All they have is their feeling. All they have is their instinct. They don't have something higher than that. Or they take in these little bits and pieces of different religions to try to give them a a sense of having a faith, but ultimately all they're doing is serving themselves so that they have more trust in themselves, right? So it's very dangerous, and here we are. But ultimately, this this is true for every person. This is not even a spiritual principle. Watch. For anything to provide proper direction, it must be based on objective truth. Right? That is to say that whatever is consulted for guidance must reach a conclusion based on objective truth and not subjective emotional inference. (laughs) Who would say yes? 
Who would say that if you're seeking guidance, one of your GPS was emotional? <laughs> hey, Siri, how do I get to King Supers? I don't know. <laughs> Find it yourself. What if it's like, turn right or maybe left? It's going to take 20 minutes or six hours. I don't know. You just go. You see, we trust, I mean, simple, basic example, but we trust GPS because it's based on objective truth. There's no emotion involved. It's like satellites and stuff. (laughs) You know, often when we go to somebody to get help, our guidance, the reason we go to certain people is because they're not emotionally involved in the situation, right? They could objectively kind of listen and process because sometimes our emotions are so huge we can't process, right? We need objective truth. We need an objective view of our situation. But yet the world is saying you don't need an objective view. All you need is your own. God's truth, God is the objective truth and guidance over our lives. God isn't emotionally unstable. His truth is truth. It's unchanging, and it is there to be a guide and a compass and lead us into life. Lead us into true identity. Lead us into being like a new creation with a new heart and new understanding. A heart that says, I submit to you, Lord, because in that submitting, I find wholeness of life and fullness of life, right? Who would say it's good to have objective truth, even if it hurts? But the world doesn't want to be hurt. Right? We're living in a culture no one wants their feelings hurt. Right? We're sensitive, we're this, we're that. We've got to make sure that no one, no one gets their feelings hurt, no matter what they are choosing to do. And this is what happens. But us as believers have to know that sometimes it's difficult to follow the Lord because it goes against your heart. Right? And so for us, we need to keep our heads on straight, okay? I just know we're heading into difficult times. We see it. America is not going to put itself back together. Because once you fully embrace this follow your heart, you can't undo it. You can undo it in individuals' lives. But as a group think, we just have to know these things are going to happen. And who are we during this time supposed to be, right? Well, let's look at this. 2 Timothy 3.1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Okay? Perilous, troublesome, dangerous, furious, fierce. Who would say that maybe we're seeing just a little bit of this? It's, I mean, we're getting used, very used to seeing very violent acts done over and over again. 
I mean, we can go down so many rabbit trails, but the fact that schools now have drills for school shootings shows you we're in a very different time, right? What causes these dangerous times, these perilous times? What's at the root of it? Well, let's look at verse 2. For men will be... One more time. Lovers of their heart. Followers of their heart. Lovers of money. Boasters. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. Unholy. Unloving. Unforgiving. Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. This is what happens when you elevate and worship the heart. Nothing good comes from it. Now watch this. Traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than the heart says, do as you will. And it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power or denying its authority, saying, all right, I got a form. Of, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. But yet, ultimately, I am following my own heart and living as I choose to live. And he goes, from such people turn away, meaning these people are going to infiltrate the church, and the church is beginning to disintegrate at some level because this has gotten into the church. The church is elevating the heart above God. Get your best life now with Jesus. And again, that's not why we are here, right? Does God... Create us with purpose. Is there life in that purpose? Is there hope and security in knowing that God's presence is with you? Is there hope and security in knowing that he has a will for your life? Does he promise that your life will be easy? Right. Does he promise that you won't get your feelings hurt? Does he promise that you won't get rejected? But does he say that we're here to make a difference? Yes. What? Yes. As hard as it is, right? As hard as it is, because it's only going to get worse, guys. I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just being honest. So we need to be built up in what we know. If we follow our heart during this time... Then what? How's God glorified? See, we're still here to submit to the will of the Father. Matthew 16, 24 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him and take up his cross and follow me. That stands in contradiction to follow your heart. We have been the ones that have denied ourselves and taken up our cross to follow Jesus, right? And it says this, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the hope for all those that are lost, right? But we have to be careful that we don't get so fixated on what they're doing that we don't recognize what we're doing. Are we picking up our Christ? Are we seeking counsel? From God's law, his truth, his objective truth to say, Lord, how do I deal with this situation? Lord, how do I deal with these emotions? Lord, you promised that I could have a peace that passes understanding, that you could rise me up above the situation so I could have your peace, so I could adequately assess the situation, so I could be a light in it, right? But Lord, I'm consumed by it to the point where it's robbed me of life. 
Help me because that's not what you promise. And if you're robbed of life because of what you see, you're going to take it out on the first person you see that embodies that because they're the problem, right? Instead of seeing it from God's eyes that he came to save and die for which was lost, right? And Jeremiah 17, 7 says this, blessed is the man who what? And whose That means we have to trust him, follow him, no matter what, right? No matter what. And again, I'm telling you, we're going over these philosophies to educate, yes, to stir, but to know we are here for a reason, and it is to make a difference. And we do not make a difference through social media. We make a difference through relationship, right? We make a difference through how we choose to live. That we even now with Jesus say, Lord, I still don't trust my heart. I want your objective truth. Because God, you don't have anxiety attacks. God, you don't suffer from depression. God, you don't suffer from rejection and hurt. You don't suffer from it. Lord, you've risen above it and you are perfect and steadfast and unchanging. I need that in my life, right? So I can make a difference. And so that's all I have today. Chew on that. But do more than chew on it. Digest it. Let it... You all, we enter the world every day. We enter it as soon as we leave church. We're faced with the same issues. But man, we could enter with a whole new understanding of, Lord, this isn't, I can't control this, but I can control me, right? Lord, help me control myself according to your word and your will so that your will will be done. Because Jesus loves the lost, right? Follow your heart is not a new philosophy. It's been around since the beginning. But we are here as those who have surrendered our hearts so that our hearts are made new, and our hearts can actually make, the, make a difference in someone else's heart by what it is spoken, how we act, how we behave, how we pray, right? That's why I'm excited. Just like, wow, that was perfect. <laughs> that was an exclamation point. <laughs> Come on. We just need an organ now to really accentuate all my points. But you all love doing church with you. So proud of this family. Look forward to what God's going to do for the next 50 years. Thank you for being here. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your commitment. Thank you for your love and your prayers. It's only up from here as far as my concern, as far as I'm concerned. Amen? Amen. Amen. Jesus, yeah. Thank you so much, Father. Lord, thank you that we have a place to come where we can get rooted and grounded in an objective truth, the truth that is higher than ourselves. Your ways are above our ways. Your thoughts are above our thoughts, Lord. And we thank you that you are constant. And no matter where we are, Lord, in our faith journey, you are the same. And I thank you that in that is the hope of growth and understanding and wisdom and transformation. Lord, bless this church. May your hand be upon it. Speak loudly to us in terms of what you would have us do to reach the lost, to reach into this community and build those that are within here, Lord. 
and the knowledge of you so that we are equipped for the works of ministry. We love you, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to Applied Faith with Pastor Russ Falachi, an outreach of Christian Church of Broomfield, located in Broomfield, Colorado. To contact Pastor Russ, visit his website at russfalachi.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, an alive faith is an applied faith.